Welcome to the Forum at Holy Communion, a long-standing conversation about faith, life, justice, arts, culture. Each week, we will premiere a conversation on our channels, and then on the following Sunday, we join in the conversation with Q and A and a chance to engage on the topic. We're so glad you have joined us. Welcome to Holy Communion's Forum. I'm Julie Graham, one of the priests here, and I'm very excited to have with us Lisa Thorpe, who is a Christian theological artist uh, who leads many retreats and workshops, but also is a wonderful um, creative art theologian. And she uh, was for many years the uh, resident artist at the Episcopal Diocese of California's retreat center, the Bishop's Ranch, and is recently now a member of Trinity Episcopal Cathedral in Little Rock, Arkansas. So it's wonderful to have you with us, Lisa. So thank you for exploring uh, the sacred feminine, what's been lost and what's been found. Well, thank you for having me, Julie, and um, I'm excited to talk about this topic. And what I really want people to do in this conversation is to just be more expansive in how they're thinking about these, um, these archetypal characters that we encounter in the Bible. And so um, I want when I, in my work, I'm wanting to show something different to get people to think and talk and wonder at um, how, in particular, women have been portrayed, but also just who's been left out and who's been, um, who's, who's in the picture, literally, and who's been left out and why, you know, and what we can do to rethink and reimagine um, these characters that are, are meant to inform us in our journey and our connection with God. So. Beautiful. Thank you. So to begin, uh, what has been your inspiration? We're talking particularly about your piece, Naama, uh, and but what's been your inspiration, your spark, kind of what's been your journey into this uh, sacred feminine? Well, I've been, um, I've been looking at um, kind of the feminine energy or the feminine muse, not from, not from the male kind of gaze idea of the muse being this sort of beautiful object that makes uh, the, uh, the male, inspired but sort of the muses and uh, as as the feminine um wisdom i have a i started a series about two years ago called women of wisdom mm -hmm. and there's just small little collages um that i can show you um that are meant to kind of be more representational mm -hmm. more inclusive more expansive and sort of a personification of um, 
kind of a way of being in the human, in our human story. And I started making these as small, small images that someday I hope to make a deck of cards out of like, um, um, I'm planning on making 52 of them. Ooh. So I might want to show you those right now. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Okay, I'm going to show you these images. Um, Naama's going to pop up and I'm going to come back to her. But these are my Women of Wisdom cards that was sort of this beginning of this whole journey of kind of thinking about the different faces of, of um, the human existence and how we think, how to think differently about beauty and awe and wisdom and um, tenderness. So each one of these female characters is meant to illustrate, be a visual notion of a, um, a way of being in the world. Mm -hmm. And I wanted these to be feminine images of different types so that it would get us thinking about who we're leaving out and who we're putting in and how we think about age and race and gender and all these things. So that was kind of the beginning that would then bring me to Naama. So um, I can stop the share and we can discuss that more. Yeah, um, yeah please. Yeah, so, yeah, so, um, I've been working on these collages and teaching workshops on allowing people to think about creating their own spirit guides. Mm -hmm. So, um, and those were in collage and paper and small. And um, people really found that to be powerful and as did I. And um, my wheels just kept turning that I wanted something uh, sort of more substantial and also that was really kind of retelling or refilling in the story. And I was introduced to Naama, the story of Naama of the Ark mm -hmm. by my niece, Francesca, who's, um, she is in divinity school. She's Jewish, she's in divinity school at Harvard. And during the pandemic, she stayed with us for the summer. And we just had wonderful conversations about um, female characters of the Old Testament in particular. And she told me about this children's book she had about Naama, who I'd never heard of. Um, she's just mentioned as Noah's wife yeah. and no name given in our version mm -hmm. of um, the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so that just got my wheels really turning like, how has she been left out of this very important and archetypal story of, of um, you know, the earth being, it's, it also is relevant in this time of climate change where the, you know, earth is, is being um, misused by we humans mm -hmm. and um, that, that Noah and Naama and the people of the earth were climate refugees in this story, right? Yeah. You know? So um, anyway, to really think harder about her and who is she 
and um, how can she inform our thoughts about the um, sacred, about our relationship to God, and by including her, what does that do for how we perceive ourselves and the story? Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. So did you, so you heard about her from uh, your- uh, From Francesca, my niece. Francesca, yeah. 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 And I think there's a storybook or you dug deeper into- Yeah, yeah. I, I started digging around and I, I actually got that storybook that she had of Naama. And in that storybook, um, Naama is the gatherer of plants and, and seeds. And of course, you know, when you hear that, oh, of course, Noah was gathering all these animals, but for the, for the full survival story to happen, there had to be plants, mm -hmm. there had to be seeds. Yeah. So um, I just thought that was a lovely connection for Naama to be this gatherer of the, um, of the growth and the plant life and the seeds of hope. It really connects her to a larger archetypal idea of an earth mother, yeah. Gaia, the, the other traditions of religious traditions that have a feminine earth mm -hmm. goddess, powerful woman. And to then to acknowledge her as as that place in the in the larger archetypal idea um really brings the story out more to me yeah you know? it really exploded for you i remember uh you mentioned that uh francesca had said that she's named that we know her as noah's wife but in the midrash uh, right in the there's there's just a writing. little mention of her in a very old midrash and i wish i had the name at the tip of my tongue of of who wrote the midrash but um the idea of the midrash is to explain parts of the bible right so um and then to in the tradition in the jewish tradition of the midrash it's it's sort of a conversation with other scholars so um this she's mentioned in um, a midrash by a Jewish scholar quite thousand years ago, and um, but still quite small. But she's the name means pleasant and um, peaceful or something like that. Which which also kind of goes to that how are, how is the feminine supposed to be? And anyway, you know, it's it's that is her mention that's the little tiny seed to use that um use that metaphor the little seed that was planted and then um the children's book by rachel sasso so oh, yeah, don't worry holy communion i'm going to get a copy of that book it's still available yeah. so we'll have it it's around it's in that. a little write-up i gave you i credit yeah, her yeah. with the, that story so or or with the seed of the story yeah yeah, yeah. so i want to make sure that she gets um mentioned and it's in the write-up so um anyway so that really got powerful. my yeah. creative wheels turning and thinking yeah you know here's this character that we haven't 
fleshed out. Mm -hmm. And this is a very popular story that kind of arches over, well, you know, goes beyond kind of the church storyland. It's quite this archetypal story, the story of Noah and the animals, and there's songs and everything. And to really think about that story, that myth in a bigger, broader way, and how to include the um, the feminine power in there of nurturing and um, and growing and the hope that is required to cultivate um, life. So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And so you got to work. So so I got to work. Uh, yeah, you're pro so you were inspired. It all came together for you, the spark. And so the medium in which you used your process of making this a, a reality of something that was yeah. coming out. Well, I'm a mixed media artist. And so I work in both paper and fabric. And um, I have, a, I come from a long line of stitchers. My grandma was an embroiderer and a tat, did tatting and stitch. And my, and my mom sewed and I learned to sew very young. And that's my first medium. My first love is sewing. And so I really wanted to connect this um this piece with the feminine art mm -hmm. of which I don't want to exclude men from doing <laughs> from doing fabric art but it is typically a feminine art to this the sewing and the quilting yeah. and I I really like the idea of connecting this feminine character with the feminine arts and in particular in a quilt. Now this is an art quilt, but in a quilt that's root is in caring and comfort and and um, and covering, you know, for warmth. So so the root of this piece is rooted in the feminine art of creating a home and and warmth. And so I decided I wanted my Naama to be made out of fabric. And so shall I show her ah, again? Okay. Yeah, Let's you. show her. Here she is. So this is the full piece. Mm -hmm. And um, the background are monoprints of actual plants because I wanted to bring that plant life in monoprints on fabric of different plants. And that's, so she is standing in kind of the universe of the plant life that she's, you know, rooted in. Mm -hmm. And um, then the down below at her feet are the flood waters. Mm -hmm. And um, she's holding calla lilies that are uprooted and my thought ab about showing the uprootedness is also she has been uprooted the human race has been uprooted so she she is a you know a migrant a refugee and she's been uprooted so the uprooted calla lilies are meant to represent that and then her Pockets are full of plants and down below, we'll, we'll look at a close-up of this, are seeds stitched into her apron. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. which for me connects back to the idea of other refugees in particular, um, the Jewish refugees trying to escape the Holocaust um, stitched their valuables into their coats and their clothes. And so this connects through time to that story and then refugees throughout time that would in any way they could stitch their most valuable thing. And she has stitched these seeds into her garment. Um, And let's see, I think a close up would help here. So um, I wanted her to be a powerful and calm presence. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like her face is, is, is projecting this knowing and calm and, and a little bit of amusement as well. I think Um, I wanted her to be reassuring and um, confident in her gaze and um, in her mission. And she has seeds around her neck in any way that she can preserve and um, her mission to reignite and regrow the earth is is all about her. So, um, and- Are those real seeds around her neck? Or, or what? Um, or just they are little... wooden beads, actually wooden okay. beads. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is just a close up of the pockets and the roots of the calla lilies, which I chose calla lilies because they they are an arc to connect to um, Mary and Easter. Um, you know, in the Easter story, there's often lilies and often in the Annunciation, there's lilies. Now I made them calla lilies because I particularly love those, but, <laughs> but there, I'm connecting that symbolism a little bit to um, yeah. the story that moves forward. Oh, yeah. Here's the um, seeds in the little stitched mm-hmm. in. Um, we didn't talk about the raven yet, but in, in, this story that I'm reimagining um, and in the children's book, um, Naama gives the raven that Noah sends out the first time they, they're searching for land and, and they send out first a raven. And that's all the story says. And then the raven comes back and and empty beak, nothing. But in my story or in this version, Naama gives the raven some olive seeds first. Mm -hmm. And and those are dropped on the muddy bits. And later, when the dove goes out and finds a branch, that's because the seeds had been planted. So um, yeah. it's, only, it's really kind of a logical thing too, really, if you think about it, if the whole earth was covered in water, how could anything grow without planting it? So it's sort of like this knowing that, that how nature works, that planting must happen. The seeds have to be there and they grow. And um, anyway, here's the little seeds also planted right at the edge of the floodwaters receding that 
um, we see at Naama's feet. So those those are just little, and I, they, to me, they represent um, kind of seeds of hope. I'm gonna get back to the larger piece here. And those little seeds are right here, wow. reaching down. So there's a reaching down into the earth and a reaching up into the heavens with the gesture of um, Naama. So, yeah. Well, I want to, th- I, I, you know, in looking at this, and I've looked at this with you a couple of times, if not more, and now what I'm seeing in it, here's what I love about art. Well, the gift of image and texture and, and what you've created here is that you keep looking at it and looking at it and you see the story more and more and more. And this time in going through it with you, I'm really seeing the archetype masculine feminine coming together the power of God to flood the earth and cause everyone to become refugee and dis- disconnected and the power of God as feminine to come in and heal and bring new life, a new beginning. Right. And right. All right. right there, the whole story, the whole cycle of right. Right. united into this one experience. Right, right. And that it takes the, the, the regeneration of the earth takes both those things, you know, we, you know, we need both. It's not one or the other. It's, it's both. And when we exclude one from the story, then we don't have the fullness of, of the idea. Um, Shall I stop the share or shall we keep talking about? Is there anything, just one more question I have for you. Um, mm-hmm. In looking at this this time, and that's and coming to that for my in, in seeing divine masculine mm-hmm. all right there in the story and in and in this piece, as you were a little more personal question, yeah. as you were creating this, and I know it's a pretty large piece for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I've got it'll be here. It's um, thirty six by seventy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, did. Did you notice what happened for you and what happens for you when you create these pieces? Um, is there um, a shift in you what, or a satisfaction or does it take you to a different place you weren't expecting? All of you, you know, what's- Yeah, you know, making art in general for me is about solving a puzzle. I have an idea Mm-hmm. And then the challenge is to convey that idea to other people. So just the process of solving the problem of Naama, how do I bring her to fruition so that my thoughts about her are something that somebody else can see mm-hmm. and then also expand on. So that puzzle is invigorating. Just doing it is invigorating. And I literally thought about this piece for about a year so yeah she was just ruminating and I was doing some research and I was right doing writing words are a part of my visual process even though in the end there's no words on the actual piece but the words are important to me and I did sketches and thought about her and really thought deeply about the symbolism of the different elements um, and even down to the um, problem of I, I in the this was not planned to put the fuchsia red outline around her. That wasn't something yeah. I had planned. 
Yeah. But when I placed the figure on the green background, she was sort of getting like lost in the background. Mm. And my mom was over, who's a wonderful artist and a feminist. Mm -hmm. Um, I was saying, well, I'm thinking about putting this fuchsia red outline around her, but is that too much? Does that make her pop out too much? And my mom in her great wisdom said, well, hasn't she been lost in the background long enough? And so I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so the, the outline was really born of the necessity to have her stand out. But in doing that, that really just kind of gave this electric energy mm-hmm. around her. So, so part of the process, you can't plan it all ahead is what I'm saying. And, and part of the process in trying to solve the problem is also part of the invigorating thing. And then being able to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and for people to see her and and to think, how how have I thought about this character or have I thought about her at all? Mm -hmm. And how can we be more expansive? You know, we talk a lot about expansive language these days or, you know, inclusive language or expansive language in in our liturgy or in how we talk about um, uh, Bible readings. But um, we're not talking so much about expansive imagery. So, you know, how do we be more expansive in how we show um these stories so that was my goal and it's very exciting and it's got me thinking even more about the next thing I want to do so you know I'm thinking about taking on Eve next so all right all right that's that's, (laughs) it is that it can you so what anything about Eve to as a preview well yeah I have been doing writing and sketching. That's the place I'm at. But my Eve is, she's not naked in the garden. She ha- She's going to be wearing overalls and she's going to be getting to work. And um, she, the, the color behind her is going to be red, a deep red, 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 that's going to connect to that notion of the menstrual blood. Mm-hmm. And that as gift or curse, you know, that's part of that story. And I really want to explore that um, because that's part of the feminine uh, ability to grow life, you know? So, and um, I'm going to have her holding pomegranate that's open, which is, you know, a symbol of the sort of multitude of life that goes through cultures and connects to other ancient feminine um, archetypes or goddesses like Persephone. And and so sort of connecting Eve to a bigger um, human story of the sacred feminine that, that, that kind of puts her in an overlay of, of more, the more ancient um, understanding of God. Yeah. So that just just that's all I'm going to do on that piece. I hope you'll come <laughs> back and we'll have another discussion about Eve. This is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. 
but I, I haven't started. I've dyed the fabric. Yeah. I have some sketches. Um, I'm searching for the right face. The My technique on the faces is I find multiple photographs and I Photoshop them yeah. um, together as sort of an amalgam and then paint that photograph and then um, print that painting through the miracle of digital things onto fabric. So I'm searching for her face and I, I, I'm zeroing in on a beautiful Bedouin, uh, face of a Bedouin woman that I found from a 1907 tintype wow. that's in the public domain, by the way. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's just, that's all part of the fun is, is gathering these things and the problem, how do I create that? How do I um, bring all these things that I want to put? Oh, and I didn't even say anything about the snake. I think the snake is important. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how the snake comes yeah. into this piece yet. Yeah. 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 Powerful, Lisa. Powerful. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for sharing this piece, both through this process. I feel like I've been uh, praying with you. It's awakened <laughs> me uh, this morning in our discussion. And thank you for loaning the actual Naama piece that will have a yes. this Sunday. And any, um, as we wrap this up, which I'm so grateful for this, I hope it opens us all up, our hearts up to the magnitude and glory of God uh, as fully expressed through divine feminine and masculine and how we are doing a disservice to our Lord, <laughs> to our holy God uh, by not bringing in the richness, uh, the much more complex uh, creation that we're in. So, um, in terms of now, we're going to have uh, you're in Little Rock, and we're going to be gathering here at Holy Communion on Sunday morning for those who can to actually see in person your art, Naama, and also um, discuss divine and uh, the sacred feminine and um, what this has awakened in people. Uh, any uh, advice on uh, beginning our conversation uh, as you look at a piece like this or think about uh, the sacred feminine? I guess in my little write-up, I, I said something about, you know, this is my um, notion, my idea of Naama, and it might be yours, mm -hmm. but you might have another one, and that's amazing. And let's be expand and expand and expand these images and really look at, um, look at things like what is left out and what is put in. And what's the motivation and how do we how do we include mm -hmm. all the ways of being so that we're not limiting God? You know, when we when we take something out, we're limiting. So when we look at at this story and and all the stories that are part of our um, our liturgy and our our readings, how do we look at that with a discerning with discernment about the, what we're including and what we're excluding. Beautiful. Lisa so. Thorpe, Christian thank you. theological artist, thank you for being with us this morning.